Shannon Moore, and tonight I'm sitting down with Mike Brindley, former WWE superstar, former Ring of Honor superstar, and member of one of the most notorious cheerleading squads in the history of our business, the Spirit Squad. Mike Mondo, here you are. Dude, I'm so glad you're here. I've been wanting to get you on here for a while because in a very, very good way, you're one of the craziest people that I've ever met. <laughs> Thank you, Shannon the Cannon. It's uh, it's great to be on here, man, and uh, crazy, and I hopefully that that's in a good way, you know. Um, you, you never know what you're going to get from me, I guess. <laughs> nah, it's, it's definitely in a good way, man. I, I just wanted you in here because you've had one hell of a career. Um, you know, you... Uh, I guess uh, you were brought into the business, you know, you have that old school mentality, the respect factors and all that, that I guess, um, you know, I don't know, like just different generations, they have different ways of looking at the business. We've had many a conversation about the business and uh, I can respect that in you, just that old school mentality. Thanks, man. You know, uh, it's crazy. I got in the business when I was 18 years old and, um, you know, I just turned 37 here a couple months ago and, uh, you know, just looking down, it's been quite the journey, you know, a lot of ups and downs. Um, but yeah, I've been very blessed, uh, with a great career and my career is still going today, you know? Yeah. We're going to, I want to get into that. I want to get all into your career. Cause I don't know if a lot of people actually know how you were broken, how you got into the business. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I want to touch on all that, but then, you know, and where you're at now, because I, I've got to really know you, like, you know, I've met you before in passing, never really got to know you because that's just kind of how the business is uh, until these last couple of years. And, um, you know, like you're, you're one of my best friends. And I think that, you know, getting to know you, like you're a hell of a guy and like you got a lot to offer, like not just to, you know, the wrestling world, but you know, like you're a personal trainer, you know, like you're helping people get in shape. Um, you're in recovery yourself, like you're helping people get sober, like you got a pretty interesting story. But, um, you know, the first thing I wanted to ask you about, man, like, where did it all start for you, man? Where, where was you born? Oh, uh, yeah, man. It's uh, like I said, it's been quite the journey in my timeline. Oh, I was born in uh, Long Island, New York. Um, pretty much, yeah, I was born and raised there, you know, and uh Throughout that, that's where I began in the business in, in Long Island at a school, M- uh, NYWC, New York Wrestling Connection. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I've lived in a couple different states throughout that time. After that, I was living in Louisville, Kentucky. I spent about uh, 10 or 11 years total there, uh, wrestling primarily for Ohio Valley Wrestling, OVW. Because, um, I don't know if people remember back then that that was uh, when the WWE Developmental Territory was. And... Um, you know, have a lot of mentors down there, like Rip Rogers, Jim Cornette, Danny Davis, you know, and they kind of brought me through the ranks of pro wrestling down there in Louisville. Um, growing then, up, growing up on the, uh, you know, in the New York area, like was WWE or WWF at the time, was that, did you watch that as a kid? Like, was that your, uh, your go-to wrestling show? Oh yeah, man. That's, I mean, that was, that was definitely my go-to, especially living in the Northeast and that's where WWF, um, you know, was probably primarily based out of you know, with their broadcasting and everything and um, that's what I grew up on man I was a Hulkamaniac as a kid and uh, I remember <clears throat> when I first started watching wrestling I remember like a little glimpse of it when I was like just four years old sitting in my dad's lap watching Hogan you know and uh, just as I got older I remember there was something just special about 
you know, whether I was going to the video store, and I was thinking about this the other day, like, when my mom would take me to the video store, you know, to rent a wrestling video or something, it was just like, knowing that I was going to go rent a wrestling video, there was something just, like, special about that, and I just couldn't wait to get home and just watch it, you know, or, like, waking up on Saturday mornings and turning it on to, you know, Channel 5 and just watching Wrestling Challenge or Superstars, there was something, like, just invigorating about what, that. Was your, uh, was your family, were they into wrestling, too? Did y'all, was it a family thing, or was it just you? Like, did um, your dad watch it with you, or? Yeah, no, I gotta say, I think it was just me, you know? Um, my family was always, like, they brought me up on sports, and, uh, you know, I played a lot of baseball. Football is my main sport that I played. I had a little run with everything, you know, and, and at one time in my life, I've always wanted to be a pro at one of those sports, whether it was baseball, football, hockey, or basketball, you know, and obviously later pro wrestling. Um, as I got older, I always knew I would, it's going to be two things in life. Either I was going to be in the NFL or I was going to be a WWE superstar. You so know, you just, played sports all through school, right? Like yeah. You were, what was your, what was your primary sports through, you know, like high school? Yeah, man, I, I was playing pretty much everything up until high school. And then when I got into high school, you know, um, I, I, pretty much narrowed it down to one sport because uh, I just really wanted to invest myself in that sport and give it everything I have, you know, and um, that ended up being football, you know. Um, I was lucky. Uh, I was also very into bodybuilding and powerlifting. Um, I had a middle school, my, my middle school football coach, he really uh, took me under his wing and I was really taught the basics and the foundation of weightlifting and powerlifting at, at uh, you know, such a young age that like, you know, um, I kind of took that and carried it with me up until this day, you know, and I've always been into hitting weights. So like, I really was like, all right, I'm really going to bulk up. I'm going to get big and strong here. I'm going to give it my best shot at football. And, uh, yeah, man, so that's, that's pretty much what I did up until, uh, my first year in college. And that's kind of like when wrestling organically took its next step. Did you play ball in college? Did you go to... To, no, uh, no, I run. I didn't play ball, but it's kind of like funny. They say everything happens for a reason, you know, um... I've had colleges that were actually interested in me when I was playing high school football, but the problem was it wasn't my skill. It was uh, my academics. Um, you know, my uh, SATs weren't so hot. Um, I think it's, in fact, they were, they were horrible. Let's call it spade a spade. They were brutal. And um, so pretty much like it wasn't my skill that was not up to par. It was my academics and just I couldn't get into a school because I wasn't academically dealt academically eligible so um they told me you know i had to go to um a community school and that's what i did for told me i had to do that for two years and i kind of like i'm the type of person that just gets impatient you know i'm a go-getter like when i want something i'm just gonna get it you know by any means necessary so um that, that's kind of like what i did and that's how wrestling kind of took its place because i was like all right you know what i'm going back to my thinking of how hockey players made it to the nhl you know it's like a lot of those people a lot of those in Canada, you know, uh, the majority of people that are NHL players, you know, they they learn how to skate before they can walk at such a young age, yeah. you know, and, and they're just so fully invested in it. And, and that's that's kind of like what I did. And I took that mentality towards wrestling. It's like, I'm just going to get into a wrestling school now. And you know what? Did you did you seek the wrestling school out or did you meet somebody that were like, hey, dude, like, have you ever thought about being a wrestler? Yeah, no, I actually, it's funny because I went to an independent wrestling show in Long Island, New York, and I remember I was, like, sitting, like, second row or whatever, and um, I came across a guy who had a wrestling school, was in Hicksville, New York, and that's kind of NYWC today, 
And um, afterwards, you know, um, I remember like intermission, like fans were able to get in the ring, and I was I was one of those guys getting in the ring, taking bumps, you know, and just and people thought like I was actually a wrestler. I don't know. I guess it just uh, a lot of the physical stuff just kind of came natural for me. You know, yeah. I just and all I really did was just imitate what I saw on TV. I had no previous experience and whatnot. What year was this? What what year are we talking? Like where you uh, I yeah. guess started actually getting in the ring? Yeah, we're talking like two thousand one, two thousand two. Like whenever so, you say you were getting in the ring and you were taking bumps, like did you did you start like from the basics or was you just getting there? I guess like a wild man, like just I'm just gonna do this. Or yeah, did... man, I was just freaking like screw that. I'm just getting in there and I'm just I'm doing what I do in the backyard, you know. Did somebody <laughs> did somebody eventually go? All right, dude, it's time to pull back a little bit. Let's let's start with the basics. Did did that ever like happen or was it just? You jumped in and just started from there and just started learning. No, I mean that's that's what's weird is that like they actually they they saw him because this was this was at an independent wrestling show. You know what I mean? So I was just in the ring, acting like a wild man. But they were like, you know, I had the build for it, and I guess I had the look. So what happened was after the show, they took me in the back and they introduced me to the guy who ran the wrestling school, and it happened to be in Hicksville, which is like a thirty minute drive from where I was living, because I was living in Patchogue in Long Island. So he invited me down because they had their classes Tuesday and Thursday and they invited me down Tuesday. So I just went down there and uh, as soon as I walked into, it was like an old garage, I remember, but it had a lot of character to it, you know, it was pr- pretty special place for me. And um, yeah, he introduced me and, and John Curse was his name and uh, and he just kind of showed me around the school and I just, once I saw that ring, I was just envisioning myself in it the whole time. I was like, all right, yeah, this is the place. This is where I'm going to start, you know? Yeah, after, you know, after getting to know you these last couple of years, like, um, you you had a really tight family, like your mom, your dad, like you guys are pretty close uh, from what I, you know, what I get and how you talk about them and how much you love them. What were they thinking at this time whenever you're telling them, like, Hey, uh, you know, I think I'm gonna be a pro wrestler. Like, were they, uh, were were they a little like, hey, uh, we think you're crazy, Mike? Um, no, I don't think so. I think what well, thing is about my family is that they always like supported any decision that I, they knew that I wanted to do. Like, they knew that was in my heart, you know, and they can tell that. And I remember them telling me because, um, you know, I was at such, I was at a certain age, and uh, I kind of obviously went to college and and did all that, and. Uh, but I remember them telling me, they were like, all right, look, you know, we'll give you a um, decision. We'll support you on your decision. This is what you really wanted to do. You know, like we'll pay for your wrestling tuition or we'll help you out with college. But, you know, we're not going to do both. It's either one or the other. And I was just like, yeah, wrestling's what I want to do. So, you know, um, you know, they helped pay for my tuition uh, down at NYWC. And I kind of uh, paid college and kind of paid that on my own way, you know, with yeah. uh, loans and stuff. But, yeah. They were very supportive, and they always knew I had a passion for it. Always knew it was in my heart. You know, I was been watching it like in high school religiously. Like I was like the wrestling guy in high school. You know, like after Monday Night Raw, the next day, like all the cool kids would come and talk to me on Tuesday because they all wanted the scoop on or talk about what was going on with Stone Cold or The Rock or whatever was yeah. hot and going on at the yeah. time. Like I was that guy in school. What, you know, what year was this that you you formally I guess started training with uh, NYWC? Uh, this was, see, it was like a year out of high school, graduated in 2001, so this is probably now 2002. 2002, yeah. you started training. When when did you have your first match? Yeah, first match, you know, kind of, um, again, like it was one of those things where it kind of just escalated fast. Everything happened for me so fast at the beginning of my career. 
you know um you know sometimes nowadays you feel like when some... but when was the debut of live wire live wire yes. that's right live l-i-v-e-w-y-r-e mike, yeah. mike mondo the embodiment of you were excellence a, you're under a, <laughs> you had a mask too right you're under a hood that was later on oh yeah. was it Oh yeah, I've had nice. a lot of different reincarnations of Mondo. Yeah, I think you should bring that back, man. Live you wire. You think so? Yeah. Live wire? Live wire. Put a mask on. It's got potential, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> El Mondo. <laughs> so in NYWC, like that's where you started picking up momentum and uh your your career, you know, started to take off a little bit. Like you you started uh producing some good work there and then 2005 like that's whenever you signed with WWE, right? Yeah, man. Um but there's a big gap there because uh you know, I had my first match to answer that question. It was like eight months into my training, you know, and uh, from then on, I just kind of spiraled working in the uh, the independence in the Northeast for a little bit. And then I went down to a OVW for a trial camp. I remember this was like when I was a year in the business only. So we're looking at like 2003 here, you know, and um, went down there for a week long uh, to the best I could. Dr. Tom Pritchard was running the camp along with Jim Cornette and Danny Davis and uh, just went back home, and shortly thereafter, Jim Cornette gave me a phone call to see if I wanted to come train down at Ohio Valley Wrestling. I wouldn't be signed, but I would be in the right place, you know, and hopefully when the right time hits, I can work my way up to get a contract. And then, so that's what I did. I kind of just packed my bags, you know, and uh, just played Russian roulette with my life a little bit, you know, just kind of a kid chasing a dream. Went down to Louisville with nothing and uh, got a serving job and, Pretty much worked my way up from not just a wrestler, but also to an OVW trainer, training guys, um, and just pretty much just helping out and doing everything I can do to learn the business. Yeah, you know, aspect. like, and that's called for a lot of those that don't understand what this means. That's called paying your dues, paying which your dues, a yes. lot of people that you run across these days, they think not getting paid for driving 10 minutes up the road, like that's paying your dues. And after about eight matches, like if they're not signed with WWE, like, you know, they're, they're butt hurt. And it's like, man, I know, I know for me and, you know, like the crew of North Carolina guys that I was with, like, man, we drove, we would drive just days and days and days for no money just to get the experience, just to get our name out there, try to brand ourselves. And like, that's the things that you have to do in the business, you know, or you, you did at this point, you know, in the late nineties and, you know, like the early two thousands, it just seemed like that was there. And like a lot of people still do that. There is guys that, that do that, but man, like these days you run across, you know, I guess the entitlement issues that sometimes it gets aggravating because it's just, and, and I do understand, like it's a different business, but that's a whole nother podcast we could talk about, man. But that, yeah, you've definitely, man, like just, uh, knowing what you've done in your career, like you definitely have paid your dues, um, at that point to get, you know, to be seen by WWE, but then it paid off, right? Like you ended up signing a deal with them. Yeah, man, it did. And you know, I don't know exactly what the quote unquote definition of paying your dues is, but man, like I knew, I knew I sacrificed a lot, and I knew I gave up a lot just to try to, you know, a kid trying to live his dream, you know, and um, that dream did become a reality, you know, because at 21 years old, um, you know, finally uh, Tommy Dreamer came into office, and then I just was like a couple months after that because he always believed in me and always saw a lot of potential in me, and um, <clears throat> yeah, I was just grateful enough to finally get offered a job, you know, and I was just kind of doing everything that I was doing 
you know, um, from training Danny Davis's beginners class to helping Rip Rogers in the intermediate class. I remember Lance Storm was the trainer at the time, and you know, he divided the contract class up to two classes, and then he had a non-contract class, but it was so much on his plate that I was teaching that. So it well, was just yeah. you mentioned Danny Davis. Uh, you know, there was there were some guys there. I, I actually, you know, I want to throw some names out there, and just first thing that comes to mind, like whenever with these guys, like just. Um, I, I just want to hear how you react. Uh, okay, so Danny Davis. Danny Davis. Uh, workhorse. Guy was freaking working 24-7 all the time. I agree, man. Danny's a good dude, man. He's uh, yeah. And he, he knows this business. Uh, Cornette. Genius. Genius? Yes, mastermind. Uh, can turn it, something into anything and make it good. Find, find, the, weak, find the weaknesses in somebody and, and just know how to accentuate people's strong points. Rip Rogers. Ooh, Rick Rogers. Uh, man, that's a, I want to say genius too, but um, man, uh, just devoted guy that's really just devoted to the business and that will just a master trainer, probably one of the best trainer coaches that I've ever had. Like he was always devoted to the business and making just everybody the best that they can be through repetition, just training and training and, and call you out on your bullshit, you know, and not afraid to someone to call you out and to make you better. And Dr. Tom Pritchard, one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. Like, I love this guy. Man, uh, you know, it's funny cause I just got done talking with Dr. Tom Pritchard and, uh, I'm just going to say genuine genuine because he's just you know what a lot of times like in life you know like we have ups and downs man and um you know i don't know what it was but you know i've just been kind of sometimes as of late just getting in my head a little bit you know you just need to reach out and talk to somebody you know and for some reason dr tom pritchard was just like one of the first guys that came into my brain and i gave him a phone call and me and doc talked for like a little while you know and it's funny because, like, not taking anything away from anybody that's, like, not in the business, but, like, you know how, like, we have this certain bond, you know, like, between, like, just the boys, the wrestlers, like, we just understand each other, you know, where sometimes somebody that's not in the wrestling business may not quite understand so much, or at least have a maybe a little difficult time. But everything I was just talking about with Dr. Tom, just, you know, it's just, like, the state of mind where I'm at right now, and, um, you know, because, like, like I said, we have hard times, you know, and sometimes in life. And I was just, just, I just needed someone to talk to and a guy that I think that would understand. And he was that guy, you know, I just, I was able to freaking talk with him from the heart and he was able to just give me some good advice and just be there for me. Not just as, not, not take professional out of the equation, but just from somebody as a friend. Yeah. Dr. Know? Tom, man, he, that's one thing you get from Dr. Tom that I love is like Dr. Tom will shoot you straight. Yeah. He'll give you an honest opinion. I remember, um, whenever I was, I don't know, I was probably 16. Um, somehow, you know, a tape of me wrestling Jeff Hardy, uh, got into Dr. Tom's hands. Um, you know, and I'm pretty sure like Matt and Jeff, like they were, cause they were doing, you know, like spot work for WWE at that point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I was hoping, man, like, you know, I was like, man, like maybe I can, you know, I'm young, I'm not 18 yet, but maybe I can weasel in there some way. And like, dude, I was tiny at that time, you know, like 16, I probably didn't weigh but 140 pounds. Yeah. I remember that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and Dr. Tom was straight up with me, man. He's like, you know, you're great. Like your entering works good. Like you you know, you got what it takes. You just got to keep pushing, man. But you're just too small for this company. Mm -hmm. um, and he shot me straight. And, like, it actually, that that helped me. It motivated me to uh, 
focus on WCW because at that point, you know, the cruiserweights were coming in um, real strong. You know, Ray and them just had got right. into WCW. But Dr. Tom, man, he, uh, yeah, he shot straight with me. And, uh, you know, I, I've always loved him for that. And, you know, he's just, I consider him a good friend, man. Yeah, always, he's awesome. Yeah. Really good friend. And, you know, he's, it's like very few and far between those types of people in this business, I feel. Because, you know, like you'll have a lot of acquaintances in, in this business. But you'll have, like, very few friends, like, you know, and, like, like yourself, you're obviously one of them. But, like, Dr. Tom, like, he's he's there. He's, and he's somebody I've knew, known since I was, like, 17, like, 18 years old. Yeah. Along with Cornette, along with Rip. But all those guys that you mentioned just right there, Danny Davis, I, I've known since I was 18 years old, you know. And um, it's nice to still have a relationship with him and still keep in touch and be able to shoot straight, even from a professional, personal standpoint. Yeah, I was guest coaching for WWE at the Performance Center a couple of months ago, and Danny Davis was there. He was guest coaching along with me. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah, I got to spend some time with him because um, it had been several years since I've seen him. Uh, probably since I was, you know, doing HWA, uh, you know, WWE sent me there for the developmental territory while I was waiting to be pulled up to TV after WCW was sold. And, uh, you know, like I, I talked to Danny a lot then because we were filming our TVs down there Oh, nice. and, um, yeah. I hadn't seen him since then, man. Like it's been a while. So we got to catch up and like, man, what a, what a great guy. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I love Danny too. Like that's, he, he's another good one. Mm, um, whenever I, didn't, I, I didn't know Danny Davis was down there when you were down there. That's, that's cool. Yeah. He come up, he, uh, yeah. you know, they brought him in to do the guest coaching thing. Just drop some knowledge, man. Cause he's definitely got that. Yeah. Uh, sure. While you were in OVW at that point, who uh, who was down there with you? What guys were there that um, you know were just they were just bringing in? Oh yeah, man. Well, see, it's funny because I feel like I've been down there so long that so many like different classes of people have like kind of filtered in and out. But uh, yeah, man, just some names off the top of my head: Joey Mercury, who uh, was down there. We actually got signed on the same day, uh, which is funny about that because like we were like you know friends uh, back in the OVW days. Um, if you remember Danny Jamondo, Danny Inferno, yeah, you know he was down there, been around for a long time, and then you had uh, you know guys like uh, Dolph Ziggler, uh, Bobby yeah. Lashley, you know they came in and got their roots down there. Um, actually, Santino Morella, who actually started in my class uh, down in the beginners class, yep, he worked his way up, eventually got signed to a developmental deal when uh, Paul Heyman was actually running TV. And, uh, you know, he's the guy that everyone knows as Santino Morella on WWE television. Yeah, what an entertaining dude, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. super funny guy. Man. And great guy, you know. He was awesome. He gets it, man. Like, he, he does. He gets the whole entertainment Totally does. Like, Definitely embraces that. Yep. Um, whenever you were, whenever you were uh, I guess, down there, like, is that is that whenever you guys started shaping up the Spirit Squad and, like, this come about? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, well, see, I actually got... I wouldn't say by mistake, but like originally for the known, uh, the original plan for the Spirit Squad, I wasn't supposed to be involved in that. It was supposed to be uh, based around uh, Ken Doan, my partner. Um, it's supposed to be him, uh, Dolph Ziggler, uh, this guy, guy named Mitch, if you guys all remember him from the Spirit Squad. And the original fourth member was supposed to be Elijah Burke, but um, I guess Elijah, he turned down the deal and kind of he went his own way, which actually worked out for him. So, um, it's just kind of like one of those things, man, right place, right time. I remember I was home in New York, uh, I want to say it was Christmas break and, uh, Tommy Dreamer, who was in charge at the time, kind of called me and he goes, Hey, can you be a TV at the Continental Airlines arena, which was in New Jersey, which is like an hour away from where I was living in Long Island. 
And he's like, yeah, man. Just, I'm like, yeah, I can be there. He's like, okay, uh, you know, get a haircut and, uh, you know, look like Dolph Ziggler. I'm like, okay, so get some blonde highlights in my hair or something, you know. So that's what I did. Went to TV. Uh, he goes, all right, come walk with me when we got there. You know, we went to Stephanie. Stephanie looked at me up and down. She goes, yep, that'll work. From that point, I went on the road uh, just to uh, they wanted to see me work or whatever. I was so overprepared at that point. Like, I was like, on, if I got past this point, you know, it was, okay, that'll work as far as the look goes. Then I knew I was going to be aces when it came to the ring because I was just ready to go. Um, so, yeah, went on the road. I remember working with Val Venus two of the three nights. And uh, Kenny was with me. We did the loop. And then after that, I was in. And that's kind of how I got my end with the Spirit Squad. Was this 2006-ish? Yep, 2005, 2005, I would say. 2005, and then we're going into 2006. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the Spirit Squad's off and running. How, um, you know, like, I've been fortunate, like, the tag teams and the, you know, you speak of Joey Mercury, like, we, uh, me, him, uh, Shane Helms, Christian York, like, you know, before we went to WCW, we had the... um, the Bad Street Boys out in Nashville, and, um, you know, like, we were a group, but we were a pretty tight group, man. We all got along. Did you get along with everybody in the Spirit Squad? Like, were you pretty tight with everybody? Yeah, man, I gotta say, I think we all pretty much got along for the most part, you know? Um, yeah, we were, like, pretty much a t- tight-knit group. Like, we all started traveling together in the beginning, you know, but then, like, we all kind of went our little separate ways when we were off the road, I guess, because, you know, like, when you're working together, you know, we just still need a little bit of that downtime, you know? So I started riding with the Highlanders a little bit. You know, I know uh, Kenny was dating Mickey at the time, so they were kind of like spun off and rode together. Uh, Jeter would ride with Cena and Eugene, you know, and yeah. um, and and even I would hop in with Dolph. Me and Dolph were always really close and, and still close to this day. So, um, yeah, man, but we were all real tight. We never really argued much at all. Like, we always just got along, and we just wanted to kill it every time we got in the ring. Right, and everybody, you know... People love to hear road stories, man. You got to give us one Spirit Squad road story. One something, Spirit Squad yeah, road something story. Something that sticks out in your mind. Something that you could be crazy. I don't know. Like it. Uh, give us a Spirit Squad road story. Oh man. Oh, I gotta think about this one. Spirit Squad road story. Oh man. You know, man, I don't know if there's anything yeah, I can really you on say. The that, spot, huh? I know. <laughs> you don't want to bury yourself. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to bury yourself. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to bury Dolph. Dolph's still got a job, right? He's still got a job, <laughs> man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> nice. You know. Uh yeah. No, I can't, man. I really got nothing on the plate right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, nah, that's good, man. We'll come back to it. Think about it while we finish this will. thing, man. I if will. you get a good road story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you guys you hit what when did you hit TV? Did y'all hit TV in the two thousand six ish? Uh yeah, two thousand six ish, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh debuted at the Royal Rumble actually. We did uh, a little cheer there to start out the rumble. And then we were off and running to the races, you know, and we just kind of mostly did that for like a few weeks before we even had our in-ring debut against Shaw, Shawn Michaels and wrestled with him, for, you know, five on one. And uh, I thought that was really cool, man. I'll never forget that moment because he was just one of those guys that I just grew up watching, you know, as a kid. And uh, it was just like, wow, like, it's kind of like pretty surreal, you know, like, this is it. Like, we really made it to the dance here, you know? Yeah, you guys, y'all got through right into the mix, man. Like, whenever you, uh, you know, whenever you, your first, I guess, uh, opponent 
Shawn Michaels like coming in like or your first few opponents like that's pretty big man like you can't ask for no better Shawn's one of the greatest in the industry ever yeah like not just one of the greatest in the industry like I think Shawn's one of the greatest ever like just every you know everything that he he does in the ring like from a personality standpoint to just his technical skills like Shawn's one of the best like he's definitely somebody that um you know I looked up to and admired yeah, man. Um, yeah, I'm really blessed and grateful that I got to wrestle with him because uh, just working with him and guys like you know guys like him and Hunter and Flair, like it really kind of clicked for me on the difference between because like I mean you know this it's life from where you are on the card. You know you can be a first match, you can be the match after intermission, before the intermission, or the main event. You know and just working the main events like with those guys like they taught me like just the difference between a first match at a main event and how just to carry that to spot you know and to deliver and it's just a completely different animal because if like anyone in the business knows like the two most important uh matches on the card is the first match because that's the first thing that people are going to see in the last match because that's what they're going to go home you know leaving one to come back so just like working the main events with those guys just really taught me to learn that main event style and just to learn how to deliver on that kind of pedestal. So yeah, yeah, those guys, man, like to be able to come in and you know, I guess learn the TV style, mm-hmm. um, the WWE TV style from those guys, you know, right from the beginning. Like you can't ask for no better, yeah. um, because they, you know, they, at that point you have no choice but be a student of the game. Mm-hmm. hopefully like you know most people should if you come in you get to work with guys like that like that's whenever you should uh have that brain open to anything and everything they say yeah oh and that's what it was you know it was just being a sponge you know and uh just kind of picking their brains after matches and stuff and just trying to just learn as much as we could you know and looking back at it you know sometimes now like when i see like when we would wrestle sean like i feel like we almost did too much to him, you know, and like I've just learned how much you can get away with when you're working with guys that over and how little you can do and get the most out of what you're doing, if that makes any sense. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, um, <clears throat> like, we were beating the hell out of him a lot of times. I mean, not literally, but like in a match, like we were just like, you know, this and that, this and that when we could have just did this, you know, and got so much more out of that, you know, and um, it's, you know, but hey, that's how you learn, you know, but you have to have someone that, you know, that's more experienced to be able to point that out. And that's how you just learn and grow as a performer. Yeah. Um, who's, the, who's the top three people that you work with? Oh, man, right there. Yeah. Shawn Michaels, hands down there. Uh, Rick, yeah, Rick Flair and uh, say, yeah, Triple H, those three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just well, great minds, you know, just guys that are really just devoted and passionate about the business and, uh, just always willing to help out the younger guys, you know, and, um, you know, being able to just stick around after shows and, uh, you know, watch the, the tape with you of the of the show before. And just really would just go out of the way just to, you know, to answer any questions. And, you know, so it was really cool just to have them there and just to be able to pick their brains and then actually get in the ring and actually get to work with them. You know, sometimes you get there before the shows and they'll get in the ring with you and show you some things. And, um, yeah, it was just like I was just. I feel like I was blessed because it was like kind of like the step point in time where like kind of business was turning a little bit, you know? Yeah, that, you know, you were in, that's a pretty big spot to be in working with those guys. Like, how did you handle, there's a lot of pressure, man, like that goes into being on the road and being on TV, um, you know, that I think, you know, from a fan's perspective, like I, I they don't really 
understand, I think, like the pressures that, um, you know, that the wrestlers, the uh, entertainers that they they have on them trying to come up with ideas, trying to, you know, like keep in the mix and just trying to stay in shape on the road, just the wear and tear on your body, mm-hmm. the travel. How did you how did you do with all the pressure at that point? Like going from OVW where it's, you know, it's fairly relaxed to hitting TV, getting thrown right in with guys like Shawn Michaels, Triple H. Yeah. Um, how, how did you deal with that pressure that goes with being on the road in that spot and week to week? Yeah, I got to feel, I, I got to say, I feel like I've handled it really well. And the reason why I say that is because I think I was just, again, I was blessed with really good training from, just to back up a little bit, like when I was in OVW, <clears throat> like, I've had not just one or two coaches. There was like a few trainers that kind of filtered in and out. Um, For a long time, I was trained by Rip Rogers. And then after that, I was trained by Lance Storm and Bill DeMont and Al Snow, along with uh, Danny Davis, Paul Heyman, um, Jim Cornette. Um, And then a lot of guys that would filter in and out, like when they were on injuries, you know, like Edge came down for a while, uh, the Dudley boys, you know. So it's like... And roughly everyone that I went through all said the same thing, just different way of saying it, if that makes sense. So I kind of like knew, like, and was prepared for what I was getting myself into. And I'm really grateful for all the time that I spent in the developmental system because like, like Rip Rogers always says, when you get your shot, you know, you better be overprepared, overprepared, whatever situation that they put you in, good guy, bad guy, manager, talker wrestler like you can just do it within a blink of an eye heel baby face you know whatever the case may be well you're fairly young at that point too how how old were you whenever I was you hit 23 years old when i got on tv so you're 23 i know yeah because yeah, i you know i was you know i was a teenager still whenever i hit wcw did you get involved like i know me like i like to have a good time like i love to go out especially you know whenever we'd wrestle in big cities um, I, you know, I'd go to bars and hang out and party. Was you a party guy? Like at that point, did you, uh, um, were you going out and Yeah, drinking? man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's where you said some of the spirit squad stories. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of times when, you know, we'd be riding out of the freaking, the arena and, you know, you just point to uh, a couple girls it's like, Hey, hop in, you know, and you go for a little ride and, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of those times, you know, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Mondo, you, you, you're a ladies man. I was like, a ladies man, baby. Here in Tampa, man, you, it's funny because we laugh because we're in Tampa's been good to Mike Tampa's Mondo. Tampa's been good to Mike Mondo. Yeah, I have a lot better luck here in Tampa than I do New York. I gotta say. I don't know. I think I'm going to stay here for a little while, Cannon. There's a lot of ladies here. Yeah, There's a lot man. of ladies in Tampa, Mike. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, no, I, yeah, dude, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, I like the party. I did. I like the party, you know. And I remember for my 23rd birthday, John Cena took me out and um, along with the squad and everything. And, um, you know, we had a show the next day. And I, But I remember it was my birthday. And I remember John Cena, he took us into this was like restaurant, bar, or whatever. And uh, it was like a waiting line list. But, you know, when you're with Cena, you were able to skip all that. And I remember he, like, put like three or four cocktail tape uh tables like and just like lined them up for all of us to sit around and he told the waitress he's like um <laughs> it was funny he's like yeah i need a round it was uh his, his shots at the time were soko and lime and that's uh, later transferred over to jack but at the time it was soko and lime and uh the the waitress mistakenly 
thought he sent Anita a round of uh, Soko and Lime shots, and then she 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 brought up a round, and then Cena was like, well, where's the rest of them, you know? And she's like, well, you said you wanted a round of Soko and Lime. I was like, no, no, I want trays of Soko and Lime. I was like, oh, okay, trays. So I remember that night, man, it was just like I did 23, was, I was 23 years old, so I did 23 shots of Soko, the last one, the 24th being Jack. And then I remember just walking out of the bar and just freaking puking everywhere. And it was uh, just like, and of course he's laughing at me and everyone's getting a good <laughs> kick out of it, you know? Yeah. Or you're not going to turn John Cena down. Well, right? yeah, comes you know. In. That's the way it was, right? That's like, the way you know, it was, whether, man. Whether you're drinking <laughs> Jack with Taker or, you know, like oh. I, whenever I got the WCW, it was the same deal. I think my first Monday Nitro, um, yeah. you know, I, I go to the bar at the hotel. Me and, me and Shane Helms, actually. And, uh... Who's at the bar? Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Kurt Henning. And Ooh, um, what's a nice trio right there? You just can't say no whenever those three are like, "Hey, come drink with us." No, and yeah. dude, I remember, I remember, I, they were buying Jack shots, and man, I was drinking. I did not drink at that point at all. Like, and yeah. I just, I wasn't a drinker. Like, I'd, I don't even know if I'd ever really drunk more than a couple of beers at that point. Yeah. And I got so sick, man, that night and was just puking everywhere and throwing up. And, like, I went home. I remember I got on the plane the next morning. And I'm like, man, I got to go home and buy some liquor and some beer. And I've <laughs> got to start training. you got to start training. Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got to be better at this next Monday. Like, I can't come back and be weak at this. Like, I got to get my drinking game down. You better step it up, man. Yeah. 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 Uh, man, I, I got another just really quick story here is uh, I remember we were at the hotel. And this one we were working with. Oh, I should probably throw Roddy Piper in there on that list when you said the top three people, man, because he was another guy that taught me so much about the business, uh, the hot rod. But anyway, we were at the hotel. I remember me and Kenny, we were down there just getting something to eat, and uh, I guess Flair's family was in town, and it was Taker along with Flair and the rest of the family that's in this big round table, and they, they, they point us out, you know, in the corner just eating, and Ken's, I remember Kenny being like, Oh, no, I think we got to go. And I'm like, yeah, I think we do, you know. So we got invited over to the table. And, you know, we're eating with them, just hanging, talking. And then just, you, you think, they, they order a round of shot, just Jack, you know. But you think it's going to end there. No, no. It's like two, three, four. Next thing you know, you're like 15 rounds in. And I just remember being freaking hammered, bro, off this Jack, you know. And I hate Jack. To me, it always tasted like gasoline, you know. I was always a beer drinker or whatever, um, you know, throwing some vodka every now and then. But I hated Jack. But that was what the, that's what the, the veterans, that's what they drank, man. They loved their Jack. And uh, besides having just good times and everything like that, I remember got to the end of the night and... Uh, you know, Piper, he's he's talking with his limo driver, and his limo driver's trying to say, we got to go, we got to catch a flight, and Piper didn't want to leave yet. Nice. And then Bobby Lashley, I guess Ken somehow got Bobby Lashley's hotel, no, it was his rent-a-car keys, and uh, he goes, Mondo, he's like, Bobby wants us to drive his rent-a-car home. And I'm like, okay, so we can do that, you know? So somehow we got pickled into that situation, Eventually the night's over. Everyone kind of goes their ways or whatever, and then me and Ken, so Ken's driving uh, Lashley's rental car. I'm in the passenger seat, and like luckily, I mean, I never recommend the don't don't I don't recommend don't drink and drive, people. Just don't do it. It's not a good idea. But anyway, at the time, uh, you know, we kind of did what we had to do, and we got the car to the uh, airport. 
And we ended up driving around the airport, no joke, seven or eight times because we couldn't find the right rental car place to uh, <laughs> to put the car. <laughs> and anyway, long story short, the, the rental car place, uh, we went to the wrong one, but we just dropped it off. I ended up passing out in the back seat. And luck, I don't know how I made my flight, but I did make it the next day. Uh, I, yeah, I, I just like one of those things where I had nice. the clock in my brain. It was time to wake <laughs> up. And I just remember running to the airport, you know, somehow made my flight. But man, what a freaking wild night that was. Ugh. Man, I had a, we was overseas, was in Europe somewhere. And uh, Kenny was on the road uh, with me. And uh, we, man, we were at, I can't remember the hotel or what town we were in. But I this, like, this is my favorite Kenny story, like, ever. <laughs> like, Kenny, he, he's such a wild man. Like, he's, he's a wild man. Man, he's funny. He's I great. love Kenny, man. He makes me laugh. But, like, we'd been at the bar all night. Like, just, you know, everybody's hanging out, having a good time. And, like, my room was straight across from Kenny's room. And, um, <laughs> like, so I'm asleep. Like, man, it's three, probably three thirty, four in the morning. And, like, I hear Ken, like, Ken's door shut. And, like, he must have went in his room. <laughs> then, like, all of a sudden I hear all this, like, just, like, just fumbling around. It was loud as shit. Like, just, I'm like, what, what is, what is this motherfucker doing? And, like, I go and I look out the peephole and, like, Kenny's pulling, like, the mattress <laughs> of the, the bed, like, out, out the door. Why and, not? <laughs> and, yeah, he's putting it in the hallway. And I'm going, fuck, man, like, what is, what is he doing? Like, this dude, like, I want to go to sleep. So I go, I lay back down, and then, like, all of a sudden there's some more just chaos going on out there. And it's just Kenny. There's nobody with him. Yeah. And he's pulling the lamps out. Like he's putting the lamps outside the he's room. Trying to redesign yeah. his room, and like, man. Dude, he, he yeah. pulled out like so much furniture out of his room. And then like I heard the door open like one last time and like I didn't hear nothing. I never heard the door shut. I never heard like him put anything else out there. And I was like, What what's going on? And I go and I I look out the peephole. Yeah. And Kenny's laying like halfway out the door in the hallway, passed out, like just laying <laughs> on the floor. And I'm like, this dude's done passed out all his furniture. And then all of a sudden, I think it was Fit uh, that ended up like coming down, like getting him back in his room, whatever. I opened the door. So, yeah, I think the uh, story ends because he told me that story once before. But I guess everybody was on the bus and they're ready to go to the next town. And then Fit comes on the bus and he's like, Kenny. I need your credit card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, but yeah, I was staying straight across from him that night. I was like, oh my God. It was, yeah. it was funny, man. I love Kenny, but oh, it's, man. It's, man, the stories, you could be here all night with that stuff, man. Yeah. But, so you guys, you were on there, man. You guys were, you know, you were right in there. You was wrestling guys like Sean, mm-hmm. Hunter, Flair. Yep. Um, how long did that live, man? Y'all's, the TV run for Spirit Squad, it was pretty short lived at that point, right? Yeah, it was, man. And, you know, it's like, it's sometimes it's it's rough to, when you hear like you talk to like we talk me and Mick Foley we talked about this a lot and it's like yeah man I feel like you guys can have so much of a longer run you know and it's like yeah I, I feel that too you know the run was only I think it was like nine months and uh, I just feel like it had so much more legs left in it but you know it's just the powers that be decide that's when the run ends so it's like you know you can only try to fight it so much before it's just that's just the way it's gonna be you know and um i did i felt like it had a lot more legs to it you know um it was nice years later when me and kenny kind of came back in 2016 we had a we turned a one-off into like three months and uh 
kind of hoping to keep the legs going there, but you know, again, that just stopped when it did. Yeah. But you, uh, um, you know, whenever you were on the road, like mm-hmm. the first time you guys hit the road, like you, uh, you started dating somebody that I, you know, I think she's amazing. Uh, Serena. Yeah. You guys, y'all dated for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, this is when I was first on the road. Yeah. Cause she was in my beginner's class actually in OVW and that's kind of when we first met and we just kind of took it from there. And, uh, yeah, we dated for quite a long time, and she's always just been a, just a great person. Dude, and, she's uh, awesome, man. Like, she is. I got to work with her, you know, going up and guest coach these last, yeah. you know, this last year, um, you know, because she was a coach there uh, at the Performance Center. Yeah. Dude, her, her wrestling mind is insane. Like, she's so good. She's yeah. so good just with, you know, the way she processes, you know, psychology and just all that stuff. But just a great person, man. Like, yeah. she's such a... Like sweetheart, but um, yeah, yeah. That I thought that was cool that you guys, you know, dated. Yeah, um, man, we're still good friends to this day. You know, she comes from a, just a great family, and uh, her mom's a sweetheart. And uh, it's nice to when I was going down there to guest coach a few times just to see her again and just kind of catch up and go out to eat and just talk and stuff. You know, we're still good friends to this day. So yeah, I always wish her nothing but the best. You know, yeah. So. That's cool, man. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever you, uh, you know, at that point before you and Kenny come back in 2016, did you did you head back down to uh, OVW for a while, like, um, or did you? How yeah. did that? How did that go to the point of where you ended up? I guess being released. Oh uh, well, yeah, in 2008, um, I got released, you know, and uh, from there, it's kind of like I had to make a kind of make a decision in life. And it's like, all right, well, there was nothing really there for me in Tampa anymore because I was living there because it was an FCW. So after our run, we got transferred to Florida to FCW when, you know, FCW was around here in Tampa. And um, so after my release, I was just kind of like, well, man, I got to make a decision. You know, it's like I didn't really feel like there was anything for me there in Florida. It's like, well, do I go home to New York or do I go back to Louisville? Kind of like where I got like, you know, my roots, you know, and that's really where I learned, you know, the majority of how to wrestle down there in OVW. And that was that was the decision I made, you know. I decided to go back down there and um, went down to Louisville, and that's when actually Ring of Honor came into my path. And um, you know, Jim Cornette was uh, involved in that, and he actually got my foot in the door with Ring of Honor, and I was on the Ring of Honor contract for about a year. Before so for, before we jump on Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. whenever you were in FCW, who was running the show down there at that point? Yeah, yeah, Steve Kern, uh, Doctor Tom Pritchard uh, were running the show. Uh, Steve doing, like, he was kind of like the Danny Davis in OBW, doing all the behind the scenes, and, uh, you know. Uh, was Bill DeMont down there at that No, point? no Bill DeMont, no, I just, my only encounter with Bill was in OBW, uh, but Dr. Tom Pritchard was doing the majority of the training, and I remember the class was getting so big at one point that he actually asked me to, uh, kind of help out with the training and stuff, and, like, work with the guys, because it was a lot of, like, just football players, and, uh guy bodybuilders that really didn't know anything uh wrestling wise and needed to teach him the fundamentals and the basics and i was that guy to uh teach him how to t- uh, to bump correctly and, and whatnot so yeah there was quite a few people man so it was kind of like put it's funny with the trainer thing like i always find myself in that trainer role whether i'm looking for yeah. it or not in the business you know it's like i didn't expect that you know but same thing with ovw like at first i just wanted to concentrate on wrestling for a little bit but then you know danny approaches me with the training thing so and and also Ring of Honor with us, they hold uh, seminars, you know, and I'd be asked if I want to take part in a yeah. seminar. So and that's cool, you know. I I like that. Um, I like coaching and I like to be able to give back, you know, 
uh, my 18 years plus of knowledge in the business. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so you step away from WWE for a while. Um, you know, you, you actually debut at Blue, Bluegrass Brawl for ROH, right? Yeah. Is that, is that, where, yeah, that's what it's is that where Mike Mondo debuted for ROH? Yeah. Bluegrass, yeah, Bluegrass Brawl nice. in the OVW Davis Arena in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, well, nice. Yep, nice. yep. Uh, I did. It all goes back there for you, don't it? It all goes back yeah. there, man. Yeah, exactly. It's funny how that, that kind of works. But yeah, man, I wrestled a guy by the name of Delirious, who is, I don't think he's the OV, uh, ROH booker now, but he was for a really long time. And we had a you know really good match. And uh, from there, it kind of just took off. And I actually uh, reinvented myself a little bit from the giant killer Mike Mondo to no fear Mike Mondo. Uh, my head was like, half blonde and half black and I had this crazy black beard going I was 5% body fat jacked and tan and, that's actually uh, the 8 by 10 right there there's the yeah. there's the ROH Mike Mondo it's funny I'm actually there right. it is yep. there it is bam and uh, that probably could have been my best look I gotta say it was just different you, you were know? in good shape dude right there you were yeah. jacked it was, yeah man it was my training was unreal I mean it's talk about it's a lifestyle you know and did that clean man you know and it was just a lot of dedication hard work and hour of god if i can go i don't want to bore anybody but man it's empty stomach cardio in the morning go back in the afternoon lift another 30 minutes of cardio and then just diet to the t you know so but yeah it was uh it paid off though you know i thought so anyway then you and kenny you guys y'all ended up having a, a pretty good match with the young bucks at one point, didn't you, in ROH? Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, I made a phone call to Kevin Kelly and see if we got an opportunity to kind of take a look at us. And uh, he was down with that for that because I always had a good relationship with Kevin while I was with Ring of Honor. And he brought us in for a TV to work with the Young Bucks. And yeah, I thought we had a hell of a match, you know. Uh, it was... <laughs> Kevin Kelly. Man, <laughs> Tommy Dreamer, uh, whatever Tommy Dreamer took over talent relations uh, that one time in WWE. Yeah. Like, just to throw this out there, like it's just a funny little story. Whenever I was, man, whenever I went from WCW to HWA while I was in between, like debuting on TV for WWE, uh, Kevin Kelly come into HWA and – I don't know why he wanted us to do it, but he made everybody take like still shots in in their underwear, like really? in front of like a what? green screen. Yeah, like <laughs> and Umaga was there, Charlie Haas, like all of us. But the whole crew had to, and like I guess the like the pictures ended up back in Kevin's office or something. I don't know what happened. Yeah, but I just remember Tommy pulling me aside, and he goes. Um, Shannon, I don't know why, but um, in my desk, I ended up finding a picture of you in your underwear. (laughs) I don't know if one of those pictures, like, I don't know if they were trying to see, like, what shape we were in at that point, like, or what, you know. Maybe, who knows, kind of, some test that they were throwing at you. Yeah. Well, I guess if you don't look good, you better try to do something about it. (laughs) Yeah, I just remember Tommy, like, pulling me aside going, yeah, I I don't know why, but um, I, I found a picture of you in your underwear like in my desk or somewhere like at, it's at a picture the office of yeah. voice like yeah Shannon Moore Sh- yeah that's it yeah the, uh, why was there a picture of you in my underwear <laughs> on my desk yeah. yeah oh that'd be even weirder if I was wearing Tommy's underwear oh yeah. man yeah yeah, that, yeah man. oh man 
Good old wrestling. Good old Good wrestling. Good old wrestling. I know. So you killed it with the Young Bucks, and uh, you, you ended up, so you were there, right? You were there for a while. You were. Yeah. I mean, the Young Bucks happened post pretty much with my run, and uh, this was like 2010 to 2012, I would say, or 13 with Ring of Honor. But yeah, this was, uh, we wrestled the Young Bucks. It was like 2017, I want to say. Yep. Yep. Made an appearance there. And then we've actually wrestled the Young Bucks. When we were uh, working for Dreamer with House of Hardcore. Yeah. And we did a couple tours in Australia with him and just working around the States with uh, HOH. And uh, yeah, man, we got the rest of the Bucks probably like two or three times. Those and, guys are uh, great, they're right? They're great. Yeah, man. man. Very talented, very innovative. Just humble. Like, they got, whenever they uh, were in TNA, like, mm-hmm. just, you know, I got to work with them there. Yeah, man. They're just, just talented, just humble, like, just cool, cool ass dudes, man. Like, yeah. I'm. I'm pretty happy for them man what they got going on yeah they got a great thing man great thing going and uh like you said just really easy going and just what they wanted to do what we wanted to do and vice versa and it was just like no problem putting matches together with them and uh i just love taking their arsenal that creative style that they had you know and just being able to just put a match of art just work together you know and yeah. just kind of bring that shit to life you know and it was awesome so, yeah, if you can't go out there with the young bucks and have a good match, like you, yeah, you got problems. Yeah, there's something wrong. <laughs> um, so you know, how did how did ROH how did that end up coming to a head? Um, well, yeah, pretty much just uh, my contract ran out, and uh, you know, it's just uh, one of those things where just mutual decision. You know, it was just time to move forward, and um, yeah, man, I just kind of. Uh, well, to be honest, it was actually, that was my first run-in with, uh, with drugs and alcohol. And then I went to outpatient for a little bit, you know? Right, we'll and, get into that. Yeah, um, yeah. Know, I kind of want to go into that in detail. Yeah. Um, but that's, is that where you started seeing issues, like, really come into play, like, with your yeah, career? Yeah, it did, it um, did. Because you said, like, you know, we talked about before, like, you know, I'm sure, like, the progression of... Uh, drug use and you know drinking and all that kind of progressed over the years like it does with pretty much anybody that ends up in treatment i think but yeah was this a point where you just you know you noticed your uh your drug use and everything kind of well it was it was and that's kind of why like with roh like when my contract ran out you know it was just kind of like i had to get myself just together again you know and it was just kind of based on just a mutual decision just to kind of like let me do that, you know, let me move forward and just try to get my life back on track. And I tried to do that with outpatient, you know, for the first time. Back in New York? Back in New York, yeah. This was like 2000 and, uh, was it 2013? Yeah, around that. Mm-hmm. And there's one thing that, like, I've learned about recovery and stuff like that is you have to have two feet in, you know. It's like you can't have one foot in and, uh, you know, say, oh, I want to do this, but, like, not do that, you know, it's, like, it's either, like, all or nothing, you know, and you have to really want to do it, and if you don't really want to do it, then it's just not going to work, you know, that was kind of, like, my first experience with that, you know, it's, like, all right, well, I'll stop doing this and this, but this can't kill you, so I'll still do that, you know, and it's just, like, no, it's just not going to work, because you'll just eventually go back to doing everything that you were doing anyway. At that point, what what was your drugs of choice at that point that was really starting um, to mess At that your life point, up? I would say it was uh, amphetamines, um, you know, and uh, let's see. I mean, I didn't discriminate, man. I did it all, you know, uh, but probably amphetamines and, and marijuana, yeah. Smoked a lot of weed and uh, just kind of going up and down, up and down, you know. 
and yeah. uh, and that was my first run in without patient anyway, you know, and uh, and I was able to get off the amphetamines. I was okay, but I was still smoking a lot of weed, you know. Were and, you living at home with your parents at this point, or yeah. did you have your own place? No, I went back uh, from Louisville. I moved back to New York. Did so you? yeah, and um, but yeah, man, it's just like it's just such a nasty freaking disease, man. You know, and uh, it's something that it takes daily work if you want to, you know, kick it, you know, and and uh, you know, I'll never forget those five things that my sponsor, Big Dan, always tells me. You know, it's you know, pray in the morning, go to a meeting, talk to somebody in recovery, you know. Um, read some uh, literature and pray at night, you know, and if you do those five things, you put yourself in the best, uh, situation to succeed. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. Um, you, um, but you, you were pretty fortunate cause you didn't really have no, um, like no legal consequences or anything, right? No, no. Um, the only legal consequence I've had was when 2008, you know, and that's when I got released by WWE cause I got a DUI and, um, <clears throat> you know, well, granted, when I got the call, it wasn't that I got a DUI. That's why we're letting you go. But it was creative and nothing for you. But I'm sure that didn't help at all, you know, yeah. especially when I was the third guy to get one in a month. But, you know, that it just is what it is and kind of put that past behind me and just try to let it go. It's my fault either way. You know, I just made a mistake. I, you know, I owned up to it. And uh, that was pretty much the biggest legal consequence that I've had. And um, did you got to tell, okay. Speaking of legal consequences, like you told me a story one time. Um, yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> you, you told me a story, and it's actually hilarious about the shoplifting incident. Oh man. That, <laughs> the shoplifting the, incident. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, yeah, one time I, I, was, I, never, I never would have fed Mike Mondo as a shoplifter. Yeah. Uh, this story's great. Yeah, this is when, uh, man, I was smoking, like, let's see, I was smoking a lot of weed, especially that day. And um, I decided, all right, you know what, this is a good time to go food, uh, food shopping right now. So, you know, I'm like, all right. So I get my car, go to Kroger, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> Started to do some food shopping. I freaking go down every single aisle. Freaking my freaking cart is stacked with food. Go go figure. Probably have the munchies, right? And um, go to check out. And, and and this whole time, okay, this is the kicker right here. This whole time while I'm going food shopping, I'm drinking this Red Bull. And, uh, you know, and uh, so I get get to uh, the, the checkout line. And I'm, you know, going to take out my, uh, my groceries and... I think the bill was like whatever it was like a hundred dollars or maybe a little bit more and i pay the freaking bill like for all my food but i forgot to, to pay for this red bull and because i forgot to pay for the red bull there's uh what are those guys uh called um uh what's what's the job that dan has you know he's the uh the security yeah the security security. guy you know uh Fuck, I can't think of the the technical name for it. But anyway, but yeah, he picks me up and he's like, oh, "Excuse me, sir, you're uh, you didn't pay for that Red Bull." And I'm like, "Oh shoot, you know, I totally I just forgot to pay for the Red Bull. I paid for every single grocery, but I p- forgot to pay for the Red Bull." Sure enough, they freaking pick me up for shoplifting because I didn't pay for the damn Red Bull. <laughs> nice. And I'm just like, "Oh man, this has got to be a freaking rib on me," or uh, it was horrible. But yeah. Dude, that's so crazy! Like they just, just over a Red Bull. Over a Red Bull, oh. they would not let me go back and pay for the Red Bull after I just spent like one hundred and five dollars on groceries or something. But that's yeah, unbelievable! So crazy. 
Yeah, yeah man. But, you know, like, um, whenever you know, your life, it, it kind of spun out of control a little bit. And unfortunately, that's kind of how, you know, I, I really got to know you because you ended up in the Healthcare Connection of Tampa, mm-hmm. HCC. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center that I went through myself. Um, and at that point, like I, you know, I started working there, uh, about the time that you were there and, mm-hmm. uh, you popped up and, uh, you know, I got to know you through that, just me working there, you coming in, like, it was cool, man. It was cool to work there. And just, you know, if, if guys came in that were in the business that, you know, I could help out or whatever, but it, it was cool getting to know you there and just seeing you change, you know, get your life back on track and everything. Like it's, it's been real cool to, to see, um, how how did you like your time, you know, in HCC, like, even though it was, you know, a rehab center? Yeah. Um, I know for me, like, I, I met a lot of people that, you know, I'm best friends with now. Like, I got a lot of friends and a huge network out of it. And, and you know, it's, did you get that out of rehab too, man? Did you, you know, did you get a lot out of it? Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, when I first went there, I didn't know what to expect, you know, um, <clears throat> We all hit a rock bottom in our lives, and it was like definitely a time where I felt like I really needed to make a change because, like, either three things were going to happen to me you know, it's either I was going to die, or I was going to go broke, or I was going to be living on the streets. It just got to that point, you know, for me where it was just like, I'm done, enough's enough, and I want to make a change. And um, I'm just really uh, grateful for to WWE for. Um, for really helped me out and sending me to HCC, which is a place here in Tampa. And um, I didn't know what to expect when I first got here. You know, I know I was scared or fearful. And I just knew whatever they were going to do, they were going to help me get off drugs, you know, and uh, alcohol. And that, um, and uh, just decided to take the big leap. And then when I got here, you know, as I settled in, I was like, wow, you know, this is it's not so bad. Like, it's just... You know, I'm starting. I'm, I'm kind of like it. You know, I mean, like it's not what I thought it would be. Like, you know, you envision a rehab center, and you're thinking a hospital and just an eerie place or just something that's just not comfortable. But it was like anything like but that. You know, and it really gave me the tools to really learn how to function and to be a, just a better person and to and to live life without uh, the use of substances and drugs and. Um, to be able to function and live normally and, and most of all be happy again, you know, and be comfortable in your own skin, be happy with yourself and uh, to live life, you know, and just be able to live life on life's terms. Um, and I met so many great people in HCC, from the staff, from the uh, counselors to the techs there and to all the people, you know, because I... I told, you know, I was like, I'm going to do it right this time. You know what I mean? It's not going to be like the first time when I went to outpatient where it's like, okay, well, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do that. You know, it's like, no, I'm, I'm going in and I'm freaking doing it right this time. You know, and I don't want to do this ever, ever again. And that was the mentality I had. And that's, and I took it, you know, very, very serious. And, um, you know, I spent a year and altogether, like a year and four months there you know and yeah that's you know that's one thing that i admired about you was how serious you know you took it while you was there like you wasn't yeah it wasn't about like okay how soon can i go it was like okay you kind of took the same approach i did yeah Um, man you know like okay what do i need to do to make sure that you know i get my life back on track and 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 stay right yeah and you stay right for the rest of your life um 
and you know like that that was cool that you did that that you were willing to stick out that year and, yeah man you know, it's it just was... i got tired of like just losing things you know and that's what this disease will do to you you know you'll just sometimes it's, it could be all at once or it could be a little bit each day you know what i mean i lost my dream job because of an alcohol related incident with wwe you know um with Ring of Honor, you know, drugs came into play at the end, and I, you know, I kind of put myself at fault for that, you know, and I was just, that's just professionally aside, but personally, just the money I spent, and to be living on the streets possibly one day, you know, and put my family through what I put my family through, like, I was just tired of losing stuff, and I wanted to get those relationships back, you know, and I'm grateful that I did, and like I said, it was just the best decision I've ever made, and, um, you know, I could have easily, if I wanted to do 30 days in and out, but I was just like, this time I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to make sure I get it right, you know, and that's exactly what I did. You know, I did uh, 72 days of day treatment, just putting in the work, you know, it's pretty much like, felt like I was going to college, you know, it was just morning starting at 7.30 a.m. and your day ends at 9.45 with evening meditation, you know, and that went Monday to Friday, Um or even Saturday sometimes. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, you, you remember how it was. It was just, yeah, it's, you know, yeah. it's intense. It's intense. But man, once it you get into intense. it and you really start dissecting yourself and you start learning yeah. more about yourself and all these, you know, these defects that you have, like it, it becomes knowledgeable. And it at does. that point you, you know, like you really want to buckle down you want to, you want to get as much as you can. And, uh, you know, and the more people you meet that, you know, work a program or, you know, that, yeah. Whether it's techs or, you know, whether it's the therapists or, man, just that knowledge is there. It's like the same approach. And it, it was kind of like a brotherhood too. Like, you know, I felt, I felt like I did with the group of guys that I was in treatment with. Like I, mm -hmm. I felt like I was in a locker room. Yeah. Um, I it had that same feel to it. Um, you know, some people you get really close with, but you know, it becomes that locker room feel. And I, it was cool. It was cool to have that support system and people to pick you up, you know, yeah. and try to, try to help you put yourself back together. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, Oh, definitely. I mean, I remember in 2008 when I left Tampa, I was just like, man, I, I don't ever see myself living here again, you know, but I got to say that opinion has changed, uh, after when I went to rehab because I just developed so many great relationships with people, my support networks down here. Um, you know, I'm living a life better than what I've lived way better in the past, you know, and just constantly moving forward. And it's like, you know what, I think I need, I need to stay here. I think this is what's best for me. And I have a whole different opinion and perception of living in Tampa again. And it's just great. Yeah. I, you know, I went back to North Carolina after treatment and I was there for a week, uh, to get rid of my tattoo shop and, mm -hmm. you know, just pack everything up. You know, I had thoughts of moving back to North Carolina, but I, man, like Tampa, I love Tampa like it's it's amazing like just the just the recovery network that's here um yeah. just it's just a it's just a nice place to live man like you got the beaches you got a little bit of everything here no, yeah, yeah it's awesome definitely a lot to do here you know and uh yeah i'm just you know just grateful for today and grateful i, I just was celebrate a year and six months clean and sober a couple of days ago so, you know, just feeling good. Just want to keep going strong, you know, taking it one day at a time. Yeah, man. I, you know, WWE, like, they, God, what they do for people, um, you know, to, to help people get into recovery, to help them get their life back on track. Like, yeah. you know, like, hats off to them. Like, they, they're saving lives, man. The Wellness Poly has saved a lot of lives. Um, yeah. It's changed a lot of lives. 
it saved a lot of careers. Um, and that's one thing I think WWE does is they, you know, they believe in second chances. They believe in third chances. They, they, they don't, you know, you always want to hear or people always try to tell like the negative sides of, you know, the company. And it's like, you never really get to hear about some of the good things that they do like with the wellness policy. You just, you just hear the negative sides of it, but the wellness policy, man, it does, it saves lives. Um, you know, like we're here, we're here today. And you know, I I know I wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for WWE. No, definitely not. And I was just going to just touch on that a little bit is that, I'm really grateful for WWE because, like like you said, man, if it wasn't for them, uh, there's no way, no way I would have been able to afford to get the help that I needed to get, you know? And just through them, and uh, I'll always be eternally grateful for that, you know, they were able to help me get the help I needed and to uh, get my life back on track, you know? And I feel better than ever today, so, you know, just keep going strong. And I appreciate, appreciate them very much for uh, helping me out, you know? So you're here, you're in Tampa... You got you're you're sober now. You got your life, you know, back on track. You said it's better than it's been. Like, what's next for Mike Mondo? What's next? Who? What's next for Mike Mondo? Well, um, once this quarantine's lifted and things kind of get back a little bit to normal, um, you will see me still performing in a wrestling ring. You know, um, still hopefully guest coaching down with WWE when that. Uh, Things get better there, hopefully. Um, always enjoy my time being down there and helping the next uh, generation of superstars. Um, yeah, definitely see me back in the ring, get rock and roll and wrestling. Looking forward to reinventing the Mike Mondo persona a little bit here. Uh, still personal training, uh, helping people get in better shape and losing the weight and accomplishing their goals in the, in the fitness world. And um, yeah, man, even picked up a nighttime job at Amazon. So I've been kind of staying pretty busy, you know, and um, just kind of just doing that and just keep going after my goals, you know, and let's hopefully uh, end up in a, in a ring full time somewhere, you know, doing what I love to do. And um, yeah, hopefully uh, things come into fruition with that. But that's where you'll see me. So if people want to reach out, they want to be personal trained by Mike Mondo. If they want to book him for wrestling seminars, for wrestling shows. For signings, he juggles. He'll do birthday parties. He'll do anything. He'll show up. He'll strip. Mike, where can they where do they, where do they contact you? At? Yeah, you could uh, email me at mikemondo at hotmail dot com. Uh, you can also reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram, and that's at mikemondo eighty three. Cool, Mike. It's been cool getting you in here, man. Just hearing your story, letting everybody else hear your story. Just kind of how your journey's been, mm-hmm. dude. Uh, it's been amazing getting to know you as a person in this business like we we pretty much we hit the road together but we don't really get to know each other whenever we're out there on the road wrestling mm-hmm. um so that's it's been cool getting to know you these last couple of years man i appreciate you yeah man definitely brother i love you like a like family man i appreciate you having me on your show and uh it's just been awesome getting to know you man and just really grateful and blessed to have you in my life man you know that you've always you've helped me out a lot um not just in recovery, but just in life. You're always there for me, you know, whenever, uh, you know, a friend's in need. And I'll always appreciate you for that, man. Cool, man. Always here for you, Mike. I appreciate you being on, man. Have a good day. All right, man. Thanks.